Believe it or not, we're already one-fourth of the way through the Mizzou football season. What do the Tigers do well and not so well? Let's have an assessment already, plus a real tangible change in the Missouri passing game this week. So let's talk about all that and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball each and every weekday. Pardon me while I mess around with my headphone connections there, which are getting a bit wonky on me. But you know what? We'll power through. And hey, good news for you here at the top. Missouri's game against Georgia next home game week five of course October 1st gonna be kicking off at 6 30 p.m. I gotta say I was expecting yet another 11 a.m. start for the Tigers so this is welcome news should be a nice good crowd for this game good tailgating all that good stuff especially since well Missouri had 53,000 people at this past game against Abilene Christian actually the biggest crowd of the last couple seasons so that was good to see despite obviously a disappointing start against Kansas State and well a hot game to attend to against a pretty weak opponent but hey I noticed Eli Drinkwitz started off his press conference thanking the fans once again. So you know what? Thank you to all you Mizzou fans who attended. No doubt about that. And thanks for joining me here. And you know what? Let's take just a quick look at what the Tigers are to me at this point of the season. Again, we've already gotten through 25% of this campaign, which is Hard for me to believe, but that's college football for you. It takes forever to get here, and then it seems to go even more quickly. But big picture, I think, obviously, what does Missouri do well? Well, the surprising thing is when I did this exercise here just a few minutes ago, it's actually a longer list of positives than I was really expecting. Well, first of all, despite yesterday's somewhat off performance from Harrison Mevis, you don't see him miss a 39-yard field goal too often. Missouri has an excellent place kicker and an excellent kickoff specialist a big deal in 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 the field position game Missouri also to me after yesterday you can say they absolutely have two really good explosive receivers the East St. Louis Flyers the former Flyers Luther Burden of course and Dominic Lovett who had his first hundred yard receiving game with the Tigers yesterday on the back of a big time deep shot from Brady Cook and speaking of Brady Cook well we know that we have a quarterback who can run the football And yes, speaking of Luther Burden, we also found out on Saturday that we have an explosive punt returner as well. Now on the defense, I think probably the secondary is maybe your best unit for the Tigers, but the defensive line and the linebackers, I'd say, are solid as well. I'd say it's just overall a solid defense so far. Spectacular? No, I wouldn't say that whatsoever. At times, at times, this this unit actually reminds me a little bit of the Gary Pinkle days in some ways, just in terms of that one-gap attacking mentality by the front seven, especially the defensive line. Well, there were times, I thought, in the Kansas State game where the Tigers were a little bit over overly aggressive and also 
frankly, the past couple games, not as many explosive defensive plays, tackles for losses, sacks, pressures, all that good stuff as maybe Missouri showed in the first game against Louisiana Tech, a team that had basically abandoned the run game for one thing. So really, that's a lot of positives that I just listed there. But unfortunately, the negatives for Missouri are so glaring that they may just overwhelm especially the explosive receiver part. Because if the offensive line isn't good enough to give you time to get the ball to those explosive receivers, well, there's not much that Brady Cook or Luther Burden or Dominic Lovett is going to be able to do about that. And obviously, this offensive line has been bad, just simply bad in short yardage situations so far, allowing far too many negative plays in the run game, in fact, I believe Missouri leads the nation or is one of, yes, a glaring stat, a very glaring stat through f- three games here. This is Dave Matter's tweet. Mizzou has allowed the most tackles for loss in the Power Five with 26 already. That is a stunning amount, to be honest with you. That's even more than I would have guessed, and it seems like a lot, believe me, but 26 TFLs offensively, that's terrible. That's really, really terrible. And the pass protection obviously been an issue, too. We saw that play where Brady Cook got blown up. Nothing he did whatsoever there. To be fair, that was less an issue of power as as it was clearly an issue of miscommunication because the center took a false step toward the inside. The guard didn't attempt to block him either. It was just the A-gap was completely opened up there. I guess your hope is... Well, maybe with enough time, enough experience, this offensive line can still gel. I certainly made that case about a week ago, mostly by just pointing out that it can happen, not so much that I have an enormous amount of faith that it will happen. And to be fair, you look at the quarterback position too, we know Brady Cook can run the football. And I think we know that he can look pretty darn good passing the ball when he has enough time. The question is, is he going to get enough time? And also, frankly, since he's going to be under pressure almost certainly during this SEC campaign, can he be better under pressure? He has to be a little bit better. Every quarterback at this level is obviously worse under pressure, but Cook needs to be able to use his footwork within the pocket to buy time and occasionally escape the pocket, make some throws on the run without turning the ball over too. Obviously a fine line to walk there, but also a couple more negatives that really stand out. Obviously, there's no tight end passing game for Missouri whatsoever. I find that worrisome for sure, and also shaky punting, quite frankly. Sean Ketting, been a really good kickoff specialist. The punting, not so great so far, though I will say Jack Stonehouse and his couple opportunities on Saturday looked pretty darn good. So again, A lot of positives for this Missouri team so far. Unfortunately, once again, those negatives, especially on the offensive line, have been so glaring in terms of pass protection and especially short yardage running and just the inability to get positive yardage, especially on first and 10. Boy, that's that's just going to be a tough thing to overcome if that's what it's going to look like for the Tigers moving forward. And coming up, there was a real tangible change in the Missouri passing game on Saturday. I think it was a good adjustment by Eli Drinkwitz and company. So let's talk about that, but also 
I want to point out that over at Bet Online, the Missouri Tigers are seven point underdogs currently to the Auburn Tigers this week. And as of now, I can't pick Missouri to win straight up. That's for sure. But plus seven, I'd certainly be tempted to look at Mizzou. Not exactly a lot of positivity coming out of Auburn, Alabama right now, if you've been paying attention to the other Tigers. But regardless of if you're into that particular wager or not, they got you covered with plenty of college football action over at betonline.net, your number one source for all your college and pro football betting needs. Of course, they got you covered with the World Cup, NBA, Major League Baseball. You want to foul, you want to put a little Action on Albert's Chase to 700. They got you covered there. Of course, MMA, boxing, golf. It's all there at Bet Online, where the game starts. A couple things I've suggested that could help this Missouri passing game out is number one, use more four receiver sets. Stop trying to force tight ends into the passing game when clearly you're not really wanting to use them just in terms of actually targeting them with passes. Well, that did happen a little bit according to some stats that I saw of the 37 pass plays. Well, 12 of them, about a third of the time Missouri went without a tight end. That's definitely up, but at the same time, really that The bigger change to me was another thing I've been suggesting. Missouri has to attack the middle of the field more. Now, even though they didn't really target the tight ends once again, according to these numbers, almost everything that Brady Cook did was between the numbers. Now, there may you could definitely argue, and I would probably agree with you, that there was still too much east-west, sideways rushing attack, perhaps, but almost all of Cook's production and attempts were either between the numbers in the middle of the field and or deep shots way down the field. In fact, the close the close part in the middle, Brady was 6 for 6 for 15 yards. Then a little bit farther, 5 for 7 for 43 and a touchdown. Then even a little bit farther than that, 5 for 5 for 86. And his one deep shot was deep down the middle. The big one to Dominic Lovett, the big the big one for a touchdown, I should say, the 79-yarder was, again, down the middle between the numbers. But, again, just on the outside passes, according to this, I can only see, let's see, let me do the math real quick here. Yeah, eight passes were outside the numbers, whereas, let's see, it looks like there were 21 between the numbers. So that is a massive, massive change. I don't have the numbers from the previous games, but just based on what I think all of our eyes saw, Missouri was doing a lot of just sideways, you know, bubble screen type stuff. Almost none of that in this game. And, well, it was effective, too. Obviously, obviously it's Abilene Christian, but certainly something I would watch going forward against Auburn, especially this week. This is a game that Missouri really, really needs to win, by the way. Obviously, unfortunately, Missouri is the underdog here. That doesn't give you... Maybe a ton of confidence. Also, Auburn coming off of a really embarrassing loss to Penn State at home, quite frankly. So, it does make you wonder, is Auburn going to be mad and ready to take it out on the Missouri Tigers? Or are they ready to quit on Brian Harson? Because, like I said in the offseason, there's just been nothing good 
coming out of the media there. Just no rosy notes whatsoever about, you know, sunshine and rainbows and happy times in Auburn, Alabama right now. My colleague, Zach Blackerby, who I'm sure I'll talk to at some point this week, well, he said there's just no proof of concept right now in that program. Basically, they're sort of in a similar spot to Missouri, although much more desperate and and angry, quite frankly, because that seems to sort of be the mode down in Auburn. When they say it means more in the SEC, that's the kind of program that they're talking about. Their fans get a little restless, no question about that. By the way, what did you all think of those Missouri Tigers script helmets from this past Saturday? You know, I got to say, after seeing them in person and in practice, in reality, I guess, versus just on the page, on, on your Twitter page, on your iPad or whatever, I guess those helmets were probably better in, probably better on the page than they were in reality, is what I'm clumsily attempting to say here. Basically, the execution was was not was lacking because apparently, according to everybody I heard who watched the game on television, it was almost impossible to read that it said Tigers on the helmet. So that's a bit of a branding fail right there. I think in theory, again, I think the helmets looked fine, but they also, just in terms of branding, don't exactly say Missouri, do they? I know people, to me, it's either the, the debate is, hey, the Rock M or the Power Tiger. To me, both of them are pretty recognizable as Missouri helmets at this point, especially if it's a black helmet. I think we go a little bit too crazy sometimes with the gold and white helmets, but hey, that's just me. On the other hand, if that sounds a little silly to you, well, to me, all the details really matter. And I will say that so far... I think the fan experience at Faroe Field has been upgraded, and I think overall Desiree Reed Francois is doing a really, really great job. So I want to talk more about her and, oh, Dennis Gates getting some real big-time visitors on campus this weekend as well. So let's talk about that after these quick words. So obviously the number one job the Desiree Reed Francois has had so far in her short term as the Missouri Athletics Director is to hire a basketball coach. And so far, so good, because, man, Dennis Gates is putting in some work. I can promise you that in terms of recruiting. And you may have seen this past Saturday, Nasir Cunningham, who is ranked as the number two player in the entire country, according to Rivals.com. Now, the odds of Missouri actually securing his commitment strike me as pretty long at this point in the process. But at the same time, to actually get him on campus, well, I can't say it's zero, can I? And just the fact that Missouri got him on campus is something that I've talked about on this program before. It's a big deal. Me and Jason Jordan talked about this from Sports Illustrated. Dennis Gates understands that putting all these offers out there and actually getting some big-time players on campus, well, that raises Missouri's profile. Getting Nasir Cunningham on campus for a football game, for a visit, whether it's official or unofficial, it doesn't even matter. It's official if it's on Instagram, baby. If it's Instagram official, that's all that really matters. And in all seriousness, that's a signal to all of the basketball prospects out there, especially the the big-time ones that Dennis Gates wants to get after, well, 
they're signaling it's a new day at Missouri. This is a new basketball program. Right now, obviously, Dennis Gates has that that new coach smell. He's got that he's got that honeymoon period. And right now, he seemingly can do no wrong to the Missouri fan base, which is frankly a great thing to to see because, you know, the initial response, obviously with a true son like Kim English up for the job. Well, a lot of people were disappointed that Kim didn't get the job, and and understandably so. I'm pretty sure Kim English may have been disappointed himself. But at the same time, while we're all going to be rooting for Kim English moving forward, I'd like to think Dennis Gates seems like a home run so far. I know I'm putting – he hasn't even played a game yet, so forgive me if I'm getting a little nutty here, but I, I just get great feelings about the guy. So far, so good. Let's put it that way. And again, back to Desiree Reed-Francois. So far, so good. She seems to have done a good job hiring the basketball coach, but her number two job, obviously at this point, is just to gin up more interest in all of Missouri sports, but especially Missouri football. And part of that is obviously the number one part is winning. She can't really do much about that other than, well, if she eventually has to hire a new football coach, that'll be that. But right now, and hopefully we don't get there, by the way, I am really, really pray that that doesn't happen for many, many years. Hopefully the Drinkwitz era just moves along swimmingly here. Hopefully that K-State game will all look back at it as a bump in the road. But the point is, Desiree Reed-Francois, she can make Faroe Field a better place to attend a football game. She can make it a more exciting place for the students to attend and and by the way for all of the complaints and there have been a few I shouldn't say for all of there's definitely some people who would like to see like the marching band played during like third downs instead of the loud Timmy trumpets techno music or whatever but the thing is here's something the alums like myself need to remember this is for the kids this is for the college kids, ultimately. So if their experience is ultimately the number one priority of this administration, well, frankly, it should be. Just in terms of not only numbers-wise, the, the biggest fan base you have is right here in Columbia, and obviously a huge chunk of those people are the students. They're the most likely people who are going to want to attend the game. So just financially, it makes all the sense in the world to cater the experience to them but also, yes, just in terms of numbers, if you want to get butts in the seats, well, hey, so far so good. Considering 53000 for Abilene Christian, it's a pretty good number considering Missouri didn't draw that for, for Florida, for instance, last year. A really memorable victory. So I think she's got to get some credit there. And also, by the way, for those of us who are alums and of legal drinking age, it's been a lot easier to get a beer at halftime. Yes, there's multiple people that you can – it's this grab-and-go system that you have. I haven't messed around with the lockers, that whole thing. You all have to tell me how how that's gone. I haven't heard any complaints or pluses, quite honestly. But I will say the grab-and-go, you grab your beer out of the fridge, check out with somebody, one of the three people. It's been a pretty smooth process so far. So, so far, so good. And really the only thing I would say, the only improvement I would like to see, and this isn't the easiest improvement in the world, but I'm not complaining about the DJ music. I'm really not. Again, if the students like it, fine by me. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. But I will say, dear God, as somebody who sits in the south end zone, sometimes I'm going, boy, that music is a little bit loud. 
but it's got to be deafening over on the hill because that's where all of the sound comes from. That's where all of the speakers come from. Boy, if somebody had just thought, (laughs) surely we can retrofit this. Put some speakers on top of that scoreboard in the south end zone. Make it a stereo experience. I know, I'm I'm the audiophile here, but just trust me. If you put speakers on that side, you won't have to blare it so loud that you're deafening everybody over on the hill. That can't be fun over there, I gotta imagine. It's gotta be too loud, right? Am I crazy? I don't know. Maybe I really am getting becoming the old man now, telling telling the kids to turn down their music, dang it. But no, seriously, I'm not even worried about the music again. Let's just get some speakers over there. If we can afford a new practice facility, surely we can afford some new speakers. DRF, you, you're, a, you're a big detail-oriented person. I can tell that. Well, to me, this is a detail that Missouri needs to fix. Improve the fan experience with just a little bit better sound. How about that? And thanks again for joining me today on Locked on Mizzou. Obviously, going to talk a lot of Auburn this week. Should get Zach Blackerby from Locked on Auburn in here. It's going to be a good week of content for you. Hopefully, it'll be a good Missouri victory this coming Saturday as well. And if you want to hear more about the rest of the Southeastern Conference, of course, you know you got to check out Locked On SEC. Make it your second list. And again, that's Chris Gordy's Locked On SEC. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and thanks for listening to Locked on Mizzou. Mizzou.